0: This podcast is brought to you by Letourneau University. Letourneau University is the Christian polytechnic university in the nation where educators engage students to nurture Christian virtue, develop competency and ingenuity in their professional fields, integrate faith and work, and serve the local and global community. Letourneau offers more than 140 undergraduate and graduate degree programs across a range of disciplines and delivery models at Letourneau's residential campus in Longview, Texas, and in hybrid and fully online options at centers in the Dallas and Houston areas online at letu.edu that's letu.edu weekday that's iworkforhim.com work the number for him.com and now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for hearing more about connecting what we learn on sunday with what we do in our nine to five this is the i work for him podcast hey welcome to i work for him this
1: afternoon you listen all across florida and around the world on iHeartRadio, radio streaming all the time six times a day on our website iworkforhim.com martha on our website iworkforhim.com what else can they find
2: Well, you know, Jim, um, when people go to the website for the very first time, they get a pop-up that says, Join the Nation, and there's a little flying flag that has our I Work For Him logo on there. And don't be afraid to click on that. I want people to go there and um, read for themselves what it means to commit to joining the nation, because it's just a personal commitment for people to um, commit to praying for their coworkers and employees, to living a work life of excellence in all that they do, and to to sh- prayer, care, share, work, and disciple in a way that glorifies the Lord. And um, it's a commitment. We just encourage people to pray about it and make that commitment so that they too can see the Lord work in their work life.
1: We'd also love for you to connect with us on the iWorkFriend listener line, 866-713-9675, 866-713-9675. Give us some feedback. Tell us how the Lord is moving in your life because of what you've been learning on iWorkFram. Give us some suggestions on people you think we should be interviewing. We'd love to hear from you. 866 713 9675. 866 713 Work. All right. This show is brought to you by a kingdom collaboration that the Lord has put together between the World Changer Network and iWorkFram Radio. We call it the iWorkFram world changer radio network james and anna kramer the founders of the world changer network feel led by god to introduce the world to the only one capable of bringing real change and that's of course jesus christ you can find out more online at worldchangernetwork.com, dot james and anna have arranged for us to interview some amazing people in the past amazing people and today no different today we're talking with garris elkins he's a prophetic mentor you may say what does that mean you're going to find out. So are we at the same time. You could check them out online, prophetichorizons.com, prophetichorizons.com. You don't want to miss this conversation because you are going to understand more about God today and how that relates to what you do on a day-to-day basis because you've tuned in. Garris Elkins, thank you so much for being on I Work for Him today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You know, Martha, you and I get a chance to talk with people, really cool people. Martha's videotaping while we're doing it on the show today, which is really cool. Hey, everybody! Cool,
2: right? It's you really love cool. It. I
1: love being on video. You know, Martha, we get to meet a lot of really nice people. We get a lot of meet a lot of people. I don't think we've ever interviewed anybody that talked about a, being a prophetic mentor, have we?
2: I'm not sure that we have, Jim.
1: All right, so, Gareth, what is a prophetic mentor?
3: Well, it's a, it's a phrase that actually uh, was crafted of late. For this conference that we're here in Bend doing, uh, they ask for a, a tag under my name. And I turned to my wife and I said, <laughs> what kind of tag should we do? And I brought my daughter into it. She's 41 years old, great, uh, great writer and artist. And she says, Dad, you've always been a prophetic mentor. So here's what that means. When Paul talked about prophecy, he talked about gifts that encourage, exhort, and console people. And a prophetic mentor... Uh, is a person who would come alongside somebody and discover their place of despair because everybody has a place of despair and then begin to speak truth and hope into that place of despair so that that lie can be displaced with what God wanted them to hear. So I come out of a of a Baptist background and I'm into this area now for the last 40 years where the, these things of the spirit are a little bit more familiar than they were for me early on. And the prophetic is simply that encouragement of a believer to know that God loves them, he's not done with them, that he has something to say to them, and he wants to displace that lie that's been telling them less than what they should be hearing about themselves, that creation that God made them to be. That's what prophetic ministry does. It brings a person to a place where they can see the heart of God and who he created them to be. It's uh, it's encouragement. Uh, I believe the way forward in our culture even today, there's so much contention out there. The way forward's not in judgment, or condemnation it's always with hope
1: and when you look at that you know I always look at, at the word prophetic to be somebody speaks truth mm-hmm. I mean a truth speaker mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes like for me I have a prophetic gift. I'm a black and white guy with a prophetic gift. I mean, there's no a black and white brick. No velvet on the brick, just kind of bluntly.
2: None of you friends can call in today. Yep.
1: 866-DON'T-CALL-JIM. <laughs> That's what uh, it, but it, it is. But it is that that gift comes in a lot of different forms, but it is all to encourage the believer to let, God, let them know that God really cares about the intimate details of their lives, that he really wants... That he really cares about what's going on in their lives. I mean, that's what that, that prophetic gift a lot of times will reiterate things that have been, they've kind of felt in their spirit, but mm-hmm. they haven't been willing to say outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just that word prophetic mentor. People are like, woo, 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 woo. Is there a song that goes along with that? <laughs> but, but it really is it's just God wanting to minister to who we are and, I, and to pulse deeper.
3: I believe that every believer is a prophetic mentor. I believe that every believer carries the presence of Jesus Christ. He's one that will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never fail you. So I would just suggest that everybody is a prophetic mentor to some degree, whether it's throwing a brick. And that sometimes can be the greatest act of love, a velvet brick. Other times, some people don't need the brick. But everybody has a capacity as a follower of Jesus Christ to speak hope and encouragement and love to people. We're talking today with Garris Elkins. You can check him out online,
1: prophetichorizons.com, prophetichorizons.com. Garris, we always ask this question of every new guest on I Work For Him. How did you come to be a follower of Jesus?
3: 1958. That means I'm old. 1958, I was eight years old, Calvary Baptist Church, Los Gatos, California, Dr. Blaine Bishop, uh, my beloved pastor. I walked down the aisle Easter Sunday, received the Lord, got baptized the next week. Um, that's how I was introduced to the Lord. My mom uh, followed the Lord. My dad, in his own way, did. He delivered us to church. Um, mom was involved in Sunday school classes. Uh, Corey Tin Boom would come and occasionally teach in the class when she was in country. I mean, it was just a great church, had mm. some great mentors. You had one-on-one time with Cory Tin Boom? I didn't. My mom did. That's awesome. Yeah, back in the day. And uh, so... That's how I got introduced, and then like a lot of kids, unfortunately, I, I went my own way through high school and uh, uh, college years, and then I had an encounter with the Lord when I was 29. I, I was a, I've been in the ministry for 37 years, uh, almost 38 now, but before that, for nine years in my 20s, I was a cop. I was a detective robbery homicide cop, <clears throat> excuse me. And I remember one night when uh, we had just dedicated our kids to the Lord because it was the right thing to do. We weren't following the Lord as a young couple. And I had an encounter with God in the middle of the night. I literally had a Damascus Road experience where the Lord walked into the bedroom, encountered me, forgave all the sins that I had committed. And like any human being, I've broken all of God's commands, either in word or deed, as Jesus says. If you right. thought it, you did it. And so I was carrying a lot of guilt and God forgave me and walked into the kitchen the next morning. I'm usually the first one up. I was, I slept the sleep of the righteous that night. Hmm. Got up an hour later than normal, walked in the kitchen. My wife looked at me and the first words out of her mouth, what happened to you? She said, the countenance of my life literally shifted overnight she said this she says Garris it's the only night I've ever slept with two men I went to bed with the old you and woke up with a new one <laughs> <laughs> and, and I grabbed my wife went to the couch I was weeping uncontrollably I spent three hours confessing everything I'd ever done to her God and anybody I wanted it I didn't care what I lost because I'd found something mm-hmm. and in that moment uh, that's 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 the place that brought me to where I am today. And later on, the Lord said to my wife, you know, you prayed for um, the right man. I just led him to you. And we'd been married seven years at that time. And so um, God came and got me. I was running from him. I was a young 29-year-old robbery homicide cop. Uh, I felt confident about my life. But inside, I was so broken. God came and got me. That's why, to me, encouragement is so critical. <laughs>
1: Mm. that's a powerful story when people go out to your website prophetic com, what are they going to find
3: you know it's a it's a blog i've got a i've got garris com is uh is a website of mine it's a, a very simple one but prophetic com. i write every day and there's like 1500 blog articles there along with a link to the seven books i've had the honor to write and so um that's how they can get in touch.
1: All right. So, prophetichorizons.com. All right. We're talking today with Garris Elkins. He's a prophetic mentor. And, and as we go through the show, you're going to really understand more of that. Don't be intimidated by the name. Be, be impressed by the God behind that name, prophetichorizons.com. You're listening to I Work For Him as we broadcast another show courtesy of the World Changer Network, which we'd love for you to check them out online, worldchangernetwork.com, worldchangernetwork.com, our good friends, James and Anna.
2: So Garris, we really want to get a chance to know you, and one of the ways to do that is to ask you, what is the most important message that the body of Christ needs to hear from you right now?
3: that there's hope in your place of despair. Uh, Without a shadow of a doubt, no matter where I go and what mountain of ministry I'm I'm relating to of the different mountains or spheres of cultural influence, Mm -hmm. no matter how high a person ascends on that or how low they are, there's a place of despair in their life. And the Spirit is so faithful to highlight that place of despair if we're willing to deposit hope, not judgment there. The only way people can get out of despair I know the only way I got out of my places of despair and now am in the process of getting rid of some other despair is that there's a word of hope that displaces the lie that's taken residence in that place of despair and empowered it. So for me, hope, that prophetic hope of Jesus Christ in that place of despair will dismantle it, reduce it to kindling, and then the Spirit of God will burn that stuff up like chaff and that person is then left with that word from the Lord that gets them through the despair to a place of victory. Give us an example of what that looks like. I mean, give
1: us, I because mean, for a lot of people, their their place of despair is their workplace. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like to find hope in
3: that place of despair? What's that look like? To shift from it being a job to a place of ministry. And if that shift does not take place, despair will always visit the labor of a job only. If it's a, if it's a paradigm that somebody has that says, God has sovereignly placed me here, and I'm here for that soul and that soul and that soul. And I love what you're doing with prayer in the workplace, how critical that is. But it has to, there has to be a shift. We have to shift from thinking that we're a laborer for a company instead of an, a, an assignment by God in a place of ministry that is as vital as anything Billy Graham's ever done or anything that you're doing on the radio. These are places where God deposits us, and we have to shift. This is this Reformation thing that we're talking about where we shift our thinking because repentance is not an activity first. It's a change of thought. And so we have to repent in our mind of a false thinking that says the job and the people are my enemy. We often talk about Romans twelve
1: two on "I work for Him" because it is it, one of the one of the reasons I believe that the church has struggled so much in culture is that we keep copying what they do and figure we're going to get different results. And Romans twelve two says, "Stop copying the behaviors right and customs of this world, yep. and let God transform you into a new person." by changing the way you think. And that's the transformative process of Jesus. I mean, when we go through and we start to think differently and and to believe that God has different answers for us, if we would just ask him those yeah. questions, he would give us the answers. Yeah. So when you see somebody in despair, I mean, give us an example of somebody
3: you've worked with that you found them in a place of despair and brought them hope. I work a lot with... Uh Pastors and leaders of ministries, and uh, there's a reoccurring theme that I'm seeing, for example, in baby boomer pastors, uh, fifty plus age they're not thinking of succession or transition out of their current assignment, mm-hmm. and it can be financial despair, it can be opportunity after I call it quits despair, whatever it is. When I go there i I, I look for I look for the fear, the fear is my gateway to the ministry, to that life. And I just had one man in a, in a state somewhere that I won't mention, but I was walking through his transition and succession with him. And, and I found his fear. His fear was, I don't have enough money. And so we started to unpack that and found out at the end of the conversation it wasn't as dark as the devil had caused him to believe. Today, he's retired. He's living in a cabin in the mountains and having a, a wonderful life but the despair had given a delusion to him. It's almost like a spirit of witchcraft that comes over and casts a spell of despair over a human being. He couldn't see his options. I'm more depressed by the fact that you said a pastor who'd pastored for decades Mm -hmm.
1: retired and moved to a cabin in the woods away from people (laughs) when he's got so much. I mean, retirement is not biblical unless you're a Levitical priest. He didn't say
2: he's in a little cabin all by himself. He did, but he
1: moved away. I mean, just... Is that guy feeding his life into somebody else? Is he, is he feeding his life into others?
3: He is. Okay, good. He, he's, he, and, 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 right. and I agree with what you say. We don't want to disengage. There's no such thing as retirement. There's a, a reshift and a focus. But you know, his particular life, which I, I can't give all the details, but he's doing a not. really, really good job with that. And I, I've, I've got other examples. I've got people that have enough money to retire, but they can't let go of the calling and transition to a new season of life, thinking this is all there is. And they get to that that datum line of retirement, and they can't cross it because they've not prepared for it. And I'm not talking financially, I'm talking emotionally and ministerially. What am I gonna do out there? I'll give you an example out of my own life. Okay. Uh, When we handed our church over four years ago, almost, to a young couple doing a great job in Medford, Oregon, we'd pastored the church for 15 years. And I said, "Lord, show me what it is for this next season." And he took me into a large in, in this thing that the spirit was showing me. Took me in a large room, and I saw a little round table, like a little um, bistro table, and it had four or uh, three plates on it. And each plate had a description: mentoring, teaching, and uh what was the other one? Mentoring, teaching, and writing. Excuse me, my brain went blank for a second. Those three things, to write, to teach, to mentor. That's what the Lord says I want you to do. And for me, I, I took that word and I've carried that word to, to this place today where I'm with you now. Uh, that simple definition allowed me to walk through certain barriers I had knowing that God had said, this is where you're going to go. And so whatever the barrier came up, I had a word from the Lord. And I, and I believe, bottom line, that every life transition that we have must have a word with it or we can't make the transition. So there has to be a word that calls us forward. When you say a word, what do you mean? Uh, for me, the word was... I'm going to have you let go of all the details of daily pastoral ministry so that you can focus on those three things, mentoring, writing, teaching. You can't do it to the degree that I want you to with all the minutiae, and I don't mean negative minutiae, just minutia of a local church. I need you free from that because now for me, I'm planning my next 20 years. I have a 20-year assignment that I have just completed will be done actually in October of this year, and I'm praying into the next 20. And for me, transition in the next 20 will be the mentoring, the writing, the teaching. So I had to have the word or I would not know how to unpack my future. So if I've got somebody that doesn't have a word, that's part of the prophetic mentoring thing. I'll come in there and we will unpack God's word that's in their life. They just may not see it. Mm-hmm. Once they get that word, no transition will be that challenging for them. There may be some difficulty, but they'll put their head on a pillow at night and knowing that the word of the Lord is in my heart for this transition. The word's critical. So I, I try to unpack a word for them so that they're not going on horse sense and common sense, they're going on revelation. Can you use the word
1: confirmation alongside the word, and you're saying you give people a word, how about a confirmation? Is that, is that another way to describe it?
3: In fact, that's probably the best thing going. If I, I just don't want to, I, I don't give them the word. I draw the word out of them. Right. I, I prophetically coach that word out of them because I find that they have the word in there. and If I can bring a, a confirmation to that, they're more solid. Well, and when you say you prophetically draw them out of it, you mean God gives you the right questions yes. in order
1: to be able to get them to give the answers and hear it,
3: right? And and I, it's kind of a blend between mentoring and coaching. Mm-hmm. I I don't like e- just either one by itself. I think there's they need to cross pollinate. And sometimes the coaching questions have to do with the character of God. And I found that that's primarily the breakthrough point. It's a it's a dysfunctional view of God that's created the despair in their life. And once that view of God is corrected and made healthy and whole, then everything is possible.
2: So it sounds in a sense that I just wanted to, the confirmation part of it, Jim, is a lot like when we do the marriage mentoring, we don't give them the answers. We help them figure it out so that their are it's their, them going, oh, we decided we're going to do this, not Jim and Martha said we should they do this. They own it. They own it. Yes. They discovered it and you just affirmed it in their, in their <laughs> life. But um, that concept, humans, take that so much better because we were like, okay, they didn't just tell me to do that, you know, <laughs> and right. and uh, we we hear it for ourselves. So I love that. So we're talking today with Garris Elkins, and he is a prophetic mentor, has a website that's um, full of your blog writings at prophetichorizons.com. And then you said you also have another website, which is your name, garriselkins.com. And it sounds like this writing has already been taking place. This assignment from God, uh, it sounds like that's a continuing thing.
3: Well, it's it's interesting. My my wife is a published author. Okay. Uh, she was a gold medallion author for a Multnomah Press, uh. children's books, uh, 30 years ago. I watched her work. I said, I'd never want to do that. Uh-oh. <laughs> my, yeah, yeah. No, oh, Lord, network. did you he hear that? <laughs> <laughs> and then my daughter is a Fulbright scholar. She's a, a poet, uh, an artist. Uh, these two talented women. My w- daughter does editorial work for authors around the world. So I... Well, you'll get to continue well, that story when we come back. That right That's right.
1: <laughs> All right, listen to I Work For him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we talk with Garris Elkins. Check him out online, prophetichorizons.com. He's a prophetic mentor. He helps you figure out what God's trying to say to you. You can check him out <laughs> online, prophetichorizons.com, prophetichorizons.com.
2: So, Jim, we had just heard that Garris said that he basically told the Lord... I don't want to be an author. I've seen I all that my wife went through. Want to do
1: that? Is what he says.
2: So your <laughs> wife authored books. Your daughter is an artist and a poet. Yep. You said. Mm-hmm. So, where did that lead to you? Well,
3: it's interesting. You know, the the, the never word should never be used. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> never <right>. say never. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, in the mid '90s, Jen and I were living in Berlin, Germany. We lived there for four years. Mm-hmm. We were traveling and encouraging the church in Europe. So that was an exciting time. It, to live in Germany. It was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Lord brought us back here, which I'm very thankful he did. However, I was attending a conference in the Netherlands in a place called Debron. And uh, a, a woman who's on staff with Jack Hayford as a chaplain for Jack's uh, staff, she's known as uh, in certain circles as a, as a prophetess, a woman who hears the heart of God and was known very well in the Elam movement in, in Europe. And uh, I came off a platform uh, after I was introduced at a conference, and she reached out. She was probably in her 80s at the time. She reached out and grabbed me by the hand. And at the time, I was a young man. And she says, young man, you're going to write for God. Hmm. And I put the smile on my face and said, thank you very much. is the last thing I wanted to hear. I really, honestly, that didn't (laughs) register with me at all. So 10 years go by. Uh, I have what I call one of my God encounters where you know you get involved in life and God has to visit you with a fresh work, and I've had four or five of those in my life, and I had just had one of those uh, in the middle of pastoral ministry where I needed a refreshing work of God's Spirit. I had that, and in that moment, God brought that word up and says, ignition time. Mm. That was 2008. That was seven books ago, 1,500 blog articles, and published works in certain magazines. So... All that to say, I had no desire to do that until God put the seed in me, and then, in the moment, He ignited that seed. And it is—I wake up every day about three thirty, four o'clock. I do not need an alarm clock, <laughs> and I write for several hours every day. Wow! And uh, it's become a real passion of mine. Um, I have not—I'm not formally trained in it. I took some journalism in high school, but no college-level stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've got a a, a brilliant. Wife, author, who she she says her job is to keep me from sounding like a pastor, and then my daughter I get Anna. That.
1: That's often my job: <laughs> to get, get people to speak English so we can all understand it. That's right.
3: So that's how I got into writing, and uh, 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 in the books are primarily about wisdom and leadership and life transitions and uh, the gift of prophecy, and then the the recent book, uh, "The Sound of Reformation," that uh, introduced me to the Kramers, and that's. Uh, what kind of connected us this uh, the World Changer Network. Yeah, yeah that's th- right. exactly that was something that's just phenomenal.
2: Well thank you for sharing that. And I hope people will maybe go to your website and check out some of your writings um, for themselves at garriselkins.com. So what do you what would you say that the body of Christ most needs right now?
3: The body of Christ right right now I think needs trusted mentors. Mm-hmm. People who have spent the time to build trust, equity in a relationship to where they're not just a, a, a quick a visitation in the life to drop some nugget of truth and then walk away. We need people to come alongside others in whatever level and sphere of culture they're in and to spend the time with people, uh, to, to build trust equity, to know that you're just not a fly-by-night uh, truth speaker, but you're somebody going to walk with me out of those places of despair. I think we need that boots-on-the-ground kind of tactical application of the strategy of the kingdom there's a lot of strategy out there and it sounds great it looks good on a placard on the wall but there's not a lot of hands-on tactical boots on the ground mentoring stuff where somebody will say to someone i see something in you and i'm going to be with you until the fruition of that you can throw me away but i'm not going to be so far away that you can't call me back
1: mm. uh, let's talk about what that really looks like because mentoring and discipleship a lot of people separate them apart i think any relationship where there's gonna be mentoring there's discipleship Uh, talk to me about what does that look like for people to to put that into action because i agree (laughs) we have tons of people who say they're retired ah that are part of the church that are literally golfing and walking the beaches and shop getting seashells when there are (laughs) young people around the globe that desperately need an old person to feed wisdom and knowledge and and their godly wisdom into them. Is that what you mean?
3: It, definitely. It's one of the significant elements because we've got so many people out there that have believed the lie that has been given to them that your significance is done when you get the gold watch. Mm-hmm. My thought is They don't that
1: give the gold watch anymore. <laughs> it's so <laughs> sad, sort
2: of, right? So no sad. gold watch At least and... you can cash that in, you know? Uh,
3: there's a, a book back, uh, you know, 30 years ago. Stephen Covey wrote it... Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. His whole concept was uh, begin with the end in mind, you know, and have a project and then break it up into segments you can walk through and then start doing each measurable segment. I have another twist on that, and it's end with the beginning in mind. And what I mean by that is that you cannot end well and be uh, involved in the fulfillment of your calling unless you remember the original word God gave you. And I think some of these um, depressed older people that get past that date of retirement and lose their vision, mm-hmm. they forgot what was given to them in the beginning. They need to go back. And that's one of the things that I want to do with people is to take them back. What was the first thing God told you to do? My second question, why don't you do that? And I'll, I'm going share an illustration that I think is really
1: What about the third question? Well, if you've done it, why are you still sitting here?
3: Yeah. Well, it's partly firing the, the, the seat up if you can. But
1: isn't that what you mean by end with the beginning in mind? Most people, when they get their calling, they figure, well, this is what I'm going to do for life. Yeah. And they don't ever stop and they aren't listening or looking for They're not setting up a perpetuation plan because they don't see an end in mind. Right. And a lot of times that leaves a ministry in a lurch or a relationships in a lurch. I mean, that, that, that seems to be like a very important
3: third question. It is an important question. I I think there's just a lot of delusion out there that we need to to get through. I, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, it was 25 years ago. I was in a, it was a season where I was getting trained as a church planting strategist, a regional church planting coach, uh, coach all this stuff, and doing assessment centers on leaders and to assess them whether they could fit a project. And uh, all of that was really good, and I remember going to Indianapolis and sitting at a table with one of the foremost coaches in the world at the time, and there were only 21 of us in this uh, gathering. There were like three tables, seven each, and I sat at his table because I, I wanted to bleed over. I wanted to see what he had to say. So during lunch, I asked him a question. What do you do when an individual or a ministry or a business is in decline? Because this guy gets hundreds of dollars per hour to coach. Uh In that day, 25 Mm -hmm. years ago. I don't know what he gets now. And I said, what do you do when they're in decline? Either calling or business. He says, well, I I ask a few questions. I ask the question, what was your original vision? And they'll give me the original vision. Then the second question I ask, are you doing that original vision? And every time where there's a decline, they're not doing it. So here's, here's my prescription, the RX for this. Is I tell them to go back with your team, rediscover the original vision, give it a application for today and start doing it. And he said this, these were huge words. He said, in every instance, corporation, individual, didn't matter, church, in every instance, when they went back and started to do what they did in the beginning with a obviously an application for today, mm-hmm. every one of them started to grow. He said, I've never found one that did not start to grow again, personal or corporate. Hmm. So the power of that initial word to end with the beginning in mind is really critical as much as it is critical to start a project with the end result in mind, at some point when you get later on in the game, you're going to flip that thing over. And then you're going to rediscover a calling that's going to reinvigorate you to, to get off your duff and stop collecting seashells and go back and change the culture.
1: I, I, what I think a lot of people also do, Garris, is that they, um, they begin something and they have no end in mind.
2: Mm-hmm. So let me say something just true. to the retired people because you know me I'm an encourager
1: oh, and boy. I
2: so first um, of all let
1: me just say to you retired people listening to the show today I'm sorry I love you please forgive me because apparently I'm in trouble <laughs> No you're
2: not in trouble I just I just hope that they hear the hope in it and not the condemnation right. in the sense that you know yes they they have freedom and they have opportunity ahead of them but imagine them if if you are Um, done with your official career. Imagine going back in time and if you had somebody walk alongside you and say, here's something God's taught me and I can help you to not make that same mistake. Let's learn from my adversity. Let's learn from the things I learned the hard way. Um, Not that we don't all learn really well when we go Mm -hmm. through adversity on our own, but um, getting that wisdom and that um, even if it's the prodding and the encouraging so that you're calling out what those people need to hear. And so I just want to encourage, think of it that way and think, man, how much more wonderful it could have been if I'd have had somebody walk alongside me and let me do that with somebody else. And I think that we see the the value in that and just saying, you know, go play golf. But when you go play golf, intentionally pick your yeah, partner to be somebody that needs to hear your wisdom and learn from your life and do it very intentionally when you go to the beach and you're walking and picking up shells invite somebody along that doesn't get away from the office and needs to hear mm-hmm. some of your life stories so you know just just to see the opportunities mm-hmm. and and to seize those in this stage of life I'll
3: give you one quick story Jen and I were ministering to a group of pastors and wives along just the subject, the tender subject you just shared. Mm. And this older couple came up, and they were seasoned, but they were in that retirement zone, deep into it. And they came up for prayer, and the Lord gave me a picture. I saw a manila envelope with the word 1972 written on it. I leaned over to them, and I said, I just saw a picture of a manila envelope with 1972 written on it. What does it mean? They both broke down and began to weep. (sighs) And they wept uncontrollably. I, I couldn't get a word in to them. And when they finally gained their composure, they said to me, We came to this retreat looking for some hope, and we brought with us a manila envelope with 1972 written on it, and it was the original vision God gave us. And He said to me, Come in here, I'm going to speak to you about this. And that's, that's the prophetic mentoring something that doesn't come out of our own thinking, but it's something downloaded that encouraged this couple to do just what you said. Mm. When we're this old, when you get older, you don't have the energy. So you have to focus the available energy to those opportunities to invite people along. You don't need to run like a 30-year-old anymore. <laughs> Your wisdom will overcome all the deficits of energy, and God will create opportunities that are profound.
0: Mm-hmm,
3: for <laughs> sure.
2: You know, I think of, Jim, one of our favorite book parenting books, is Age of Opportunity. And it's the same thing for the retired. You know, that yeah. was for parenting. This
1: is for mentoring. We need to write a book. Somebody... The-
2: there's you're, some great ones out there.
1: There are some good ones out there. The right, Machine we, Well. Yeah, that's right. You're listening to I Work for Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we talk with Gareth Elkins. He's a prophetic mentor. Now you know what it is. You can check him out online, prophetichorizons.com. Prophetichorizons.com. All right, Gareth, here's here's the question uh, You're one of God's generals, and you have now been given an army of unified believers. What are you going And they're ready to move it, whatever you tell them. What are you going to tell them to do?
3: Oh, it's a great question. What I would want to do is I would want to sit down with that that team, and I would like to explain to them uh, the the issue and the essence of Reformation. And I would go into the culture, and I would send them out as teams, almost like the spies into the land, to assess what's out there. Uh, Bobby Hobby here at uh, Eagle Mountain has a great phrase. He says, to go out and ask people, how can we serve you? Uh, that would be part of it. But I would also go out, and I would find out who the apostles are that don't know Jesus yet. Who well, the, who, the, who Who's the,
1: an apostle that doesn't know Jesus? Well, what do you mean? Isn't that impossible, to be an apostle it, it, without it,
3: knowing Jesus? It, 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 in you're, the, like, you're talking a pre-Christian. In, in a, a pre-Christian that is apostolic in the way they run their business. And then I would assign individuals and teams to go serve that person so that the presence of Christ in that team would begin to influence the decision-making process of that major mover and shaker of culture. I'd go down through every mountain of influence, and I would send that team out. Then we'd come back, and we'd debrief that, and we would find out where the deficits are, and we'd start to resource that.
1: i got to ask you a clarifying yeah. question. Okay, you're saying a pre-Christian that's, uh, that's operating his business or organization right. in an apostolic way. You're right. How, what does that look like?
3: Well, the you know the apostle is is one who's sent and and let me give you a real quick. Here's here's the five equipping gifts Paul talked oh,
1: well, about. Oh, you, you got to focus on a question. Other people are going to freak. The apostle it, part. The, yeah, I, I get it. But okay. you, but how do they operate in an apostolic way? What does that look that, like?
3: That's what I was going to give okay. you. The the apostle is the person who receives the blueprint from heaven. Now, a non believer may receive a blueprint for a business, but let's go back to the the spirit part because it applies over here the apostle receives the blueprint the the prophet announces the blueprint the evangelist recruits to the blueprint the teacher creates an environment a healthy environment where the seeds of truth can grow and then the teacher comes along like an electrician schematic and blows this whole thing up and shows us every little part and how it interrelates to each other so you can take those principles spiritually and go out into the business world and and find out who's who's the prophet of the, of the culture in Florida? Who's the evangelist in New York City? They may be on one of the seven mountains of culture that some of us are familiar with. And then I would go to that person who's not yet in relationship with Jesus Christ, and I would begin to infuse that environment with people that have come and said, I want to serve you, and surround that person with The spirit of the living God. And after a while, the sound of that business will begin to shift because the overwhelming power, not coercive power, but the influencing power of the spirit begins to shift the actual sound coming off of that mountain. Which kind of leads back, when I wrote a book called The Sound of Reformation, this reformation that we're in right now in culture is not a model, it's a sound. We tried. We look for models, and they haven't worked. It's a sound of truth spoken in love, because that's what Paul said, that the proof of the five equipping gifts having been in function in a human life is not a ministry model, but it's a sound. He says, then, once we're mature, we'll speak the truth in love. So I can go out and see a guy that owns a tire shop, maybe the best one in town. Why is it the best one? Because he received a blueprint. But I want to transition him to something larger than a business blueprint. I want to bring into his life believers that can bring that gift into the kingdom so that the gospel of the kingdom is advancing in that culture.
1: I love that. We're talking with Garris Elkins today, and you can find him online, prophetichorizons.com, prophetichorizons.com. Garris, you've got some books. You've written seven of them. You didn't ever think you'd be a writer. You've written 1,500 blogs. Can we give away one of your books today? Absolutely. Well, what do you want to give away today?
3: Well, uh, I just wrote this one uh, this year. It's called The Sound of Reformation. Okay. it's uh, It details uh, an element of a larger Reformation conversation. It's not an academic treatise. It's a concept, and the concept comes out of some things that God had to download in me when I spoke at a conference.
1: But I thought the Reformation happened 500 years ago.
3: So did I until I started to look at it and started to meet people like the Kramers and yourself and your wife and others who get this. There is a Reformation going on in culture right now. There's a man uh, named David Houle. He's a futurist. And he said that we've moved from the information age to the shift age, and from 2017 to 2037, in that 20-year period, we will have more change than any 50-year period in our human history.
1: That's hard to imagine, because the last 50 years have been remarkable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but we've also moved to a place where we've moved an entire world to despair. Right. I mean, people are—I mean, this next generation of— of kids, these millennials that are not kids anymore, they're 20 to 37 or 38, they want meaning and purpose right. in their lives. They they don't want the American dream. They want to know what they do really matters.
3: Well, here, in every cultural revolution, here's who gets killed first. It's the, it's the musicians, it's the writers, it's the artists because mm-hmm. they express the heart of the people. Mm-hmm. Every, every cultural ref, re, reformation, revolution, renaissance, that expression of the heart of... The people is what gets killed first. And that's what this young generation is saying. We want that. And we can't give them anymore the model of ministry that we've grown up under. Things are shifting so radically and so quickly that in this next 20-year period, if we're not moving at the speed of faith... Then we're going to miss out. Good work.
2: Excellent. So, your book is called The Sound of Reformation. If you are interested in winning a copy of this book today, call our listener line at 866 713 9675. 866 713 work. And let us know you're interested in getting a copy of Garris's book, and we will get that taken care of. So, um, give us a call, leave a message, and I will reach out to you.
1: All right. World Changer Network. That's why we're here. They've mm-hmm. they brought us together. What you hear and when you heard about the World Change Changer Network, what excites you most about that platform?
3: The people. I love World Changer. I love that whole concept, but it's the people. And I know some of the people now as friends. The people, first of all, excite me because they're authentic, they're real, they get it. But I also like the concept, World Changers. We're not sent here to occupy without influence. That's the problem much of the church has. We're just supposed to occupy without influence. Our occupation is an influence because we carry the resurrected Christ in us. When we walk into a boardroom in a business Fortune 500, you don't have to say a word. Your presence of Christ in you shifts the environment of that room. And so I, I really love the fact that it's not world static, it's world changer. And I think that that's really critical. Which means, I think, hidden in that beautiful definition, is that we're going to do some things that are actually going to change the world.
1: Mm, I hope so. I hope so. All right, we got just a few minutes left in the show. You got free for all for Garris Elkins. What's one thing you want to make sure that the iWorkframe listener audience hears from your heart today?
3: I'm just going to speak right directly to, to listeners right now. That you are so loved by God, you have such tremendous potential, and I don't mean this to sound cheerleading, I believe this is from the Spirit of God, that you have a destiny and a calling that's not fully unpacked yet, and that God wants to bring to you through the work of His Spirit, those words of encouragement that are gonna displace the despair, that's gonna unclutter the calling, that's gonna give you the ability to see how critical your involvement is. Whether you're a mom staying home with kids or you're retired or anybody in between, you actually have a contribution to make into God's kingdom that you were uniquely prepared to make. I can't make it, only you can make it. And I want you to believe that God is bringing to you every resource needed to draw that out of you right now.
1: Mm. And, and walking like that in the Lord is so tough sometimes. Yeah, uh, And to just, we, we've talked about on many shows, hearing the voice of God, being obedient to the voice of God, understanding and recognizing our unfair advantage, mm-hmm. because we have God available to us. Right. I mean, it's a—it's an amazing thing.
2: So, you know, I love the fact that you said, I don't want to just sound like a cheerleader, mm-hmm. but yet God is our biggest cheerleader. Yes. He has created each of us with a design mm-hmm. um, in mind, mm-hmm. with a purpose, with a calling. And one of the things that we always hope that our listeners hear, and I hope today is one of those days, that instead of hearing the the despair that mm-hmm. they know that there is something more that God has a plan but yeah. they need to engage in a relationship in order to hear that plan and so and they can reach out they can they can learn they mm-hmm. can um, get into the word and i just hope that um, our listeners hear that today jim
3: direct them to your website uh, my blog is uh, prophetichorizons.com and then my my website's garriselkins.com
1: and when they go to garriselkins.com what are they going to find
3: you know it's uh, a picture of my wife and myself and and our books and uh, links to all the YouTube channel that we have uh, the books it's really kind of a, a a hub to get you to the other products sure yeah
2: are her books still there
3: her books are there they're are books of blessings yeah. and uh, Martin Luther uh, King Jr's uh, niece Dr. Albeda King yes. said that one of Jan's books accompanies her for an entire year with Oswald Chambers uh. called the book of blessings it's it Shifts Environments, one of the most profound writings I've I personally ever read. Fabulous. Wow. Thanks for Elkins.
1: That. Thank you so much for being on iWork for him today. It's a joy. Thanks. Check him out online, prophetichorizons.com, prophetichorizons.com. That's Gareth Elkins. Martha, always a great conversation when we just kind of push even our learning ability on the air, just learning new things. It's fun to hear it? For isn't sure.
2: Rocking right here with our listeners.
1: <laughs> That's right. You've been listening to iWork for him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace... It's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.